And now it's time for the UP's favorite live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, presented by John's Auto Marquette. Here's Blake Froling. What's going on, Marquette? Max Stevens in the studio for you alongside Rachel Zerby. Rachel, good to have you in with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. It's my pleasure. Now, <clears throat> yesterday, NMU had its weekly athletics press conference, of course. And, of course, I, being a student at Northern Michigan University and having, you know, responsibilities <laughs> elsewhere, <laughs> i.e. class, uh-huh. could not be there. But you were. Yes, that is correct. So would you please share with myself and our wonderful listening yes. audience, any, any, was there anything juicy, anything good at this, uh, at this press conference yesterday? There were some juicy de- de- details from uh, NMU's football coach, Kyle Nystrom. You know, they have a really tough opponent coming up on Saturday in the number five ranked Grand Valley State. And some interesting points that I thought were very intriguing was Kyle said, now, don't quote me on the number, but I think he said there are around 174 players on Grand Valley State's team. That's a lot of double numbers. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how. I mean, a lot of them are just scouting on mm-hmm. that roster, you know. Mm-hmm. They don't really see the field, but yep. that's a lot of players. That's mm-hmm. intimidating. Yeah. Um, but he was also saying that, I mean, obviously, they're just going to have to play a perfect game, and it's very hard to play a perfect game in football, mm-hmm. especially when you're NMU. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> I don't think you can overstate. You said we got a tough game coming up. I don't think we can overstate yeah. that. Grand Valley, like you said, is uh-huh. fifth in the country right now. And also, we've beaten them once since the turn of the century. So yeah. not a great track record uh-huh. against this pr- opponent in particular. No. And <laughs> you you mentioned <laughs> uh, playing a perfect game is essentially impossible in football. Uh, our you know our, of course our mm-hmm. well documented, highly skilled running back Jake Mayon, of course, is oh, yeah. seven hundred thirty one yards away from taking the school record mm-hmm. uh, in rushing. He might need to just get all those it, on Saturday yeah. if we want a chance to uh-huh. win, really. So, <laughs> of course, we kid. No one can realistically yeah. expect 731 rushing yards. If he would do that, though, then they, NMU, I think, would have a chance. Yeah, I mean, he does go. lead the GLIAC in rushing, but, I mean, to when the you're the fifth of, team in the nation, you know, no I'm sure you have the defense to shut him down. And if you shut down Jake, uh, I don't think really NMU has much to offer on the offense. No, I side. mean, we had DeAndre Caldwell playing well out of the backfield mm-hmm. last week, but you can't, you know, and obviously some great production from our number two back would be fantastic and would ha- help greatly take some of the load mm-hmm. off Jake, but how much can you really expect, again, against an opponent as tough mm-hmm. as this, where if we're worried about, you know, is, J- is Jake going to be able to produce for us, how can you realistically expect, you know, someone who plays under Jake mm-hmm. to come in exactly. and, and do? And it's just like, as good. do you wear down Jake? Because, I mean, I'm gonna be pessimistic. Like, you're going into the game. Like, I mean, I'm not really expecting the NMU to win. So, like, do you really put Jake out there every play, give him the ball every play, and run him basically to the ground? Like, do you take that risk, or do you just kind of use this game as like a learning experience i want like you know it's tough it is tough because it's not like it you know it's not like we can tank because that's not a thing you do in college you can't just come out and be like oh you know we'll we'll lose you know we'll get the experience we'll get some young guys because you know you do anyway it's 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 college but the the point we're trying to make here is just that like the, the odds are so 
ever not in our in our favor. It's just it's tough to even consider to even look at this game and go, ugh, you know, is this? It's it's tough. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying I I would love to see an upset. I mean, I will. I'm oh, sure we'll we'll obviously know by the first quarter how the game's gonna go. Mm-hmm. So in that case, I mean, I wouldn't throw my best player out there if you're really so you, you so you you're you want to okay, say no, that what you shouldn't I'm play to say, Jake at all? No, 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 not not at all. Okay, but I mean, when it, obviously if you're losing a lot, like don't t- I wouldn't take the risk of having Jake out on the field every play for him mm-hmm. to get hurt, you know? Well, maybe come like third quarter, obviously fourth quarter he wouldn't be playing, but mm-hmm. uh, but of course, you know, we do have to look at this. We're kind of we're, we're kind of, you know, really harking on our Wildcats here, we're, but they have we have shown some go- some upside this year. We have some promising upside. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on average, of course, through two games, so you can't really – on average doesn't really mean yeah. much just yet. <laughs> but, you know, last week we possessed the ball for 40 minutes, 15 seconds, which you do that again, you know, if you can just run the football and, you know, Grand Valley State doesn't really get a chance to, to possess the football, it becomes a lot harder to put the game out of reach. Um uh, you know, so that the, the average, I didn't actually say it. I brought up average doesn't mean much because it's, it's only two games. But 37 minutes, so ball control is key. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also sixth nationally in terms of rushing yards per game. Again, only through two games, yeah. so that doesn't mean a whole lot. But 310 yards on the ground per game, can't expect that much against, you know, number five, no. GBSU, who, who traditionally has played us really really solidly and really really tough every every time yeah i mean i'm not i'm not trying to downgrade the wildcats because i have seen i mean saturday was the first time i saw them actually ever play ever yeah i mean i wasn't here last fall Mm. so i I didn't know what wildcat football was but like you said there were some spurts where i was like okay there's potential in this team Mm -hmm. but well when you you look at grand valley state it's just like Mm. (laughs) You and me both got off on a uh, not great foot with the Wildcats. Last year was my for uh-huh. our, yeah my first year in Marquette as well. First year as an NMU student, and of course last year one in nine. Well, yeah. I guess I guess the good news is is even you know you look at this schedule, things get really tough from here. We got Grand Valley, then of course later on in the year, uh, sixth ranked Ferris State, yeah. who won behind Grand Valley, is also hanging out in the GLIAC. So. Things, I mean, it's just a really tough schedule this season. Football, it just, we, I don't think, we said it a, a whole bunch already in the first, you know, seven minutes uh-huh. of this program, but this is just, we just can't overstate the, the moonshot that it mm-hmm. is to, to play this game and walk out of there with a win. Of course, we are at home, yeah, which we are. does help a lot, especially mm-hmm. at the collegiate level. Yeah, and, and, and in a place like the Dome. Mm-hmm. You know. Which is always <laughs> chock full of fans, yeah. if we're being real here. Always, you know, filled to the brim. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, well, but- I think that's enough harping on the Wildcats yeah. for now. We can only beat a dead horse <laughs> so much. We'll talk a little more football, though. Aaron Rodgers, right, went Aaron down Rogers. on Sunday. We've mentioned this briefly every day so far <laughs> on the Sports Pen this week. Yesterday, though, Rodgers went on the Lebetard show on ESPN, and he came on and he said... Quote, we're taking it one day at a time, which is interesting because 
after that Chicago game, he came out and said, if as long as it's nothing serious, I'm going to play, I'm going to play, I'm going to play, I'm going to play. And he was very insistent on that. And he was backing off a little bit. So if there's any significance to that, you know, perhaps cooler heads are prevailing here. Perhaps he realizes, you know what? It's week two. Mm-hmm. I suffered an awful injury against Minnesota last year, which, granted, was nobody's fault. You know, uh-huh. a lot of hate gets directed yeah. towards Anthony Barr. It wasn't like a dirty hit or anything. Just bad things mm-hmm. happen sometimes. And it just, perhaps, so, yeah, per, perhaps the cooler heads are <laughs> prevailing here. And Roger's just going just gonna to say, you know what? It's week two. I don't need to come out and get myself killed. Mm-hmm. Of course, I don't. I don't give the Packers much of a chance to beat the Vikings anyway. Perhaps that's the pessimist in me coming <laughs> out. But especially if Rogers not playing, I think you can just go ahead and write this one off. See, I'm like the opposite. I mean, as a Vikings fan, I, I don't root for injuries at all for anyone, especially a guy like Aaron Rodgers. When I saw him go down, I was like, man, this guy can't catch a break. But him on the field, like, I don't like him on the field against the Vikings. I don't know. He just worries me. He scares me. I mean, you can see, you obviously saw what mm-hmm. he did against the Bears mm-hmm. with one leg. Absolutely. But, Shades of what he did against Dallas last yeah. year. <laughs> Going back to the day-by-day thing, I just think it's, I don't want to say ironic, but the fact that Aaron Rodgers is like, I'm playing week two, I'm playing week two, and now all of a sudden it's like, day by day. It's like, is this a more serious injury than everyone thought? But did you see his post-game interview? Uh, I did not see the whole interview. Oh, my gosh. He was on some – like, they gave him some nice pills in that second (laughs) half. You you had to go back and watch it. It was hilarious. He was just smiling. I don't think he blinked the whole time. He was like, you just have to go back and watch it. It was was hilarious. Well, yeah, you know, fingers (laughs) crossed. And, we've again, we've said it pretty much every day on the show this week because Aaron Rodgers kind of rests. The the, the fate of the Packers season inarguably rests on his shoulders. If it's it's serious, if he's going to miss – well, it doesn't sound like he's. It's very serious, no. you know. If he's if he says he's day to day, then obviously mm-hmm. nothing's torn. At least not that we know of. Thankfully, yeah. I have a question for you though. As a Packers fan, knowing you're playing the Vikings defense this week, do you want Aaron Rodgers on the field if he's not fully healthy? If he's not a hundred percent, if I'm being honest with you, I'm gonna say no. That basically seals the game. Uh, if you're the Vikings, I don't think there's any way. Deshaun Kaiser comes in and says, all right, you know what? I'm going to lead us to victory against one of the best defenses in the NFL. But if Aaron Rodgers isn't 100% healthy, just don't don't do it, dude. Mm -hmm. It's week week two. We can't have you come out and get hurt again or worse this time and have it be – in, you know, ruin the whole season because thankfully the injury it didn't look that bad no. the first time. I mean, obviously it looked kind of awkward, but mm-hmm. watching it, it looked like he just hyperextended his knee. Which, um, of course, I've actually hyperextended my knee in the past. It's <laughs> no joke; it hurts a yeah. lot. But uh-huh. you know, you just give it time. You walk it out, rest a little bit. It'll, it, you know, it's mm-hmm. not, it's nothing too serious. It's painful, but it's nothing too serious. Obviously. You just Minnesota's defense is just so scary. You just and of course it doesn't help that yeah. that Minnesota's defense is what put Aaron uh-huh. Rodgers away for pretty much the whole second half of the season last year. It doesn't help. I'm sure that's in the back of Aaron Rodgers' mind. I'm sure it's in the back of Coach McCarthy's oh, mind. Yeah, and it's a knee injury, the same what his left knee that he tore his ACL in. Mm-hmm. 
I just like knee injuries is just something I don't really mess with because those are Mm-mm. the worst kinds of injuries. They're absolutely like all it could mm-hmm. take is just him getting tackled. And if he just makes the wrong twist, there goes his knee again. Mm-hmm. You know, you cannot <laughs> overstate it's the severity. Risky. Like yeah. just, the, I think also the fact that it's a knee injury should really uh-huh. come into play here. Cause I mean, we saw what happened to, to guys like Derek Rose, you know, that first, you know, granted, Aaron Rodgers already had the first one, uh-huh. and with him, it's more of his collarbones that are yeah. the issue than his knees. <laughs> yeah. But you see what happens, you know, if you come back and you just it, you hurt your knee, and your knee gets hurt, and he gets hurt, like that is a downward mm-hmm. spiral. And <laughs> granted, he he's not been ruled out yet. But I mean, we're kind of getting a little ahead of ourselves yeah. here. <laughs> but at the same time, you cannot, we can't overstate, you know, just. Be be careful. I guess yeah. if there was one thing I would say to Aaron Rodgers, if he for some reason was like, you know, rang uh-huh. me up and was like, "Hey Max, you think I should play against the Vikings this weekend?" No. Especially it's only week two. It's only it's week only two. week two. So You're not even, really playing for anything right no. now at this moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even still, you know, NFL Minnesota's a divisional opponent, uh-huh. so we're going to get another crack at them exactly, later in the year. Exactly. Uh, of course. That being said, everyone expects Minnesota to take the division this year. Mm-hmm. But um, so a win against them would be, of course, oh, yeah. really important because that that goes a long way in terms of tiebreakers, mm-hmm. in terms of yeah. you know coming down the stretch. Every win against, especially divisional import, opponents, is important. But it is week two, and I think this is it puts the Packers in a really tough spot because then you have to go and look at if Aaron Rodgers can play. You have to look at this and go. How important is winning the division? Mm -hmm. Because I think if you're in it to win the division this year, which under most circumstances you should be in it to win the division every year. But (laughs) Uh of course with this injury to Rodgers, you look at it and you go, can we do it? Like is this something we can do? Is it worth throwing Rodgers back out there if he's not entirely ready? Mm -hmm. And then is it it worth it? You ask, you know, obviously we've said the answer – to us, personally, <laughs> is no. So we'll see, of course, watch Aaron Rodgers now come out yeah. tomorrow oh. and go, I'm totally fine, yeah, there was I'm playing, like, and then I, all of this the will Packers be invalidated. The Packers could be blowing smoke, too, you know? And, and all this can... just trying to rile them up and be like, oh, we're going to go in and destroy <laughs> Sean Kaiser, like, let's go. Mm, absolutely. Which they probably <laughs> will, but hey, at least on the bright side for Packers fans, it's not Brett Hundley under center. If I'm being honest with you, You'd I'd rather, rather have, have Brett Hundley okay. than Deshaun Kaiser. I haven't, we haven't seen much of Kaiser in a Packers True. uniform, but I saw enough of Kaiser in a Browns <laughs> uniform to uh, to kind of raise some red flags in my mind. Yeah. So, all right, stay with us on the sports pen because when we come back, we're going to be talking some more football. Stay with us. Now back to the sports pen. Here's Blake Froling. Pick Scheme Payday is back. Pick the winners of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize. Only at Ajibo Casino, Barriga, and Marquette. Max Stevens in the studio with you alongside Rachel Zerby. Rachel, thank you again for coming in today. You're very welcome. We talk, some, here. <laughs> we talk some football for a segment. We're going to do that a little more here because Matt Patricia yesterday uh, in a meeting with the press, basically came out and addressed the Jets players who, after the game on Monday night, after the just disastrous season opener for the Lions, the Jets' defense essentially came out and said, 
We knew their signs. We were in Stafford's head. We knew what they were going to run possibly even before they did. You know, might uh-huh. be a little bit of an exaggeration, <laughs> yeah. but you get the point. So Patricia, in response to all this, came out and basically gave a long-winded response, which I'm going to read for you here. He said, <clears throat> I would say in general there are a lot of things that go on in the game that are identifiable to players on both sides of the ball. In the course of a game, that kind of happens at times that those things come up. There's certainly very simplistic things that are used in the course of a game where guys do a good job of hearing things or studying things and seeing things, seeing stuff. At the same time, we try to do the best we can to keep it moving on both sides of the ball. We certainly have the same situation from our side. We study opponents the same as everyone else does, and you kind of group, I would say, things into categories based on schemes and systems, and that's really important to understand. So if you do that, sometimes that's helpful, and sometimes it's not. Well, to answer that last question, uh, I'd say it was pretty helpful for the Jets oh, yeah, absolutely. who made Stafford look like Nathan Peterman mm-hmm. just throwing mm-hmm. an ungodly amount of interceptions. Four and one more for the backup, uh, Matt yeah. Ke- or Sam, Ke- Sam Cassell. It was ugh, just painful to watch. Painful to watch as not even a Lions fan, just a, someone from just a football fan from the Detroit area. It was hard to uh-huh. watch. The, that happened to the Lions. And you, you look at this and you go, okay, well, there's obviously some truth to what Patricia said. You know, you play, these guys are all professionals, mm-hmm. especially on the defensive side of the ball. They've been playing football for a good portion of their lives. So you're going to be able to look at, a, look at an offense and go, okay, they're lined up in this formation. They like to do this from this formation. And then you can add, you can grow on that a little bit and go, okay, this is the down and distance. In this situation, this team likes to do X. Mm-hmm. You know, in X situation, team does Y sort of, sort of yeah. idea. But to the extent that the Jets had us red on Monday, I think there's a little more to it than that. I don't oh, think yeah. you can just come out and say, oh, it was a great job by the Jets scouting department to figure out what exactly we were trying to do. Like, are are the Lions still running, like, the same exact plays from, like, 20 years ago? Like, you know, like, it's week one. Like, how can the Jets literally read you that well? Mm-hmm. And if that's already, really what it was. Like, it, it's kind of concerning. Like, maybe the Lions should, I don't know, switch things up a little here and there. Well, that's, that's the issue that I had with um, the Lions retaining – uh, Jim Bob Cooter is the offensive mm-hmm. coordinator when they brought in Matt Patricia. I know that's Matt Stafford's guy, and a lot yeah. of people look at Jim Bob Cooter as the guy who like kind of elevated uh-huh. Stafford's level of play, but the issue is he's not Patricia's guy. You know, you, we went in and we brought in Patricia, new coach, mm-hmm. and I just think if you really want to – if you're a general manager and you're going all in on a new coach, you have to give him complete autonomy – over his mm-hmm. staff. And, you know, if he met with Stafford and decided, you know what, JBC's your guy, I can work with him, that's one thing. But if you, if the if the case was you have to keep him on because this is the guy that our quarterback likes, that's not – I don't think that's that flies. And you see this because this is the, this has been an issue with the Lions for a long time. And you, you look at this and you go, if the Jets could scout us this bad – and that's really what it was. Like assuming that that's really what it uh-huh. was – you you got to change your scheme because oh, yeah. this cannot come out and happen every week. No, it's an, it's embarrassing for the players to literally be like, we knew what plays they were running. Like, 
I can't recall the last time like the defense straight up said I knew what they were playing. Like it's embar- it's a very embarrassing look to the Lions. Absolutely. So embarrassing. So that raises a question because I know I was hearing some people they're like, okay, so why is Jim Bob like Matt Stafford's like is Jim Bob on the hot seat now? Like I know it's only week one, but like are they gonna keep him on if teams are just gonna I mean he's been on my hot seat. I thought yeah. we should have let him go when we hired Patricia. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna come through and sweep mm-hmm. out the coaching staff, and you're gonna bring in a new guy, he's gotta have access to his guys. You know, because if he comes in, obviously mm-hmm. this was all this is all you know food. Just this should have been what considered when we hired Patricia, however many months ago it was. But you can't come out and look like that, especially not week one. You can't have the opposing team come out and say. We knew what plays yeah. you were going to run. We knew what we were doing. We knew your signs. Stafford is a veteran quarterback, exactly. and he's consistently mm-hmm. been, depending on how you look at him, top 10 quarterback in the league pretty consistently. And they made him look like a fool, they quite made frankly. Him, yeah, they made him look like a rookie. And in all fairness, like. <laughs> Stafford did kind of help him out. He made a lot of throws that really he had mm-hmm. no business making. And the defense didn't do our, – our defense didn't, of course, yeah. do him any favors either. We got swamped by the Jets. Special teams didn't play great either. Yeah. But you just – you go back to the original point. Cannot, no. cannot look like no. that. And Because if we come out, that's against the Jets. Exactly. No one like, expected the Jets to be any good. Are the Jets good or are the Lions just really bad that they made the Jets look good? Like that's what like I was thinking after the game. I think it's a. I think if you want to look at it like that, it's a little of both. Yeah. Because I think the Jets came out and they surprised a lot of people mm-hmm. when they decimated the Lions. Of course, I think I, myself. Oh, yeah. I had Ryan Steig in here on Monday, and him and myself basically both came on and said, "Look, if you're the Lions, the NFL threw you a bone here. They gave, they fed you the Jets uh-huh. at home on Monday night yeah. to open your season. The Jets of starting a true rookie." Mm-hmm. <sighs> And the Lions went out and did yeah. nothing with it, got embarrassed. Uh-huh. The Jets, I think, back to the original question, can, can surprise some people this year as long as Darnold plays with some uh-huh. semblance of the way he played on Monday night. And the Lions, I think... <sighs> it's going to be a long season down there in Detroit. It's going to be a long season. This, yeah. I think this next game is very important to look at this and go, okay, what adjustments mm-hmm. have we made from week to week? Obviously, it didn't help that the ground game was non-existent. Yeah. It has been non-existent in Detroit mm-hmm. for a long time, but just the fact that, and we addressed this yesterday, so we won't touch yeah. on it too much <laughs> more here today, was just the fact that Garrett Blunt went down in the first yeah. half. So the guy you brought in, in the off season to kind of give your running game a boost. Now he's out of the picture for at least a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't help yeah. either. I do want to give, I do have to give Sam Darnold credit though. As a rookie quarterback, your first throw is a pick six. And the way he bounced back from that was honestly kind of incredible. Like as a 21 year old, like I probably would have collapsed. Like I would have been scared to throw the ball ever again. <laughs> your first throw pick six, but like, mm-hmm. Then again, like the Lions, I don't know. How are you going to let a 21-year-old torch you like that? Mm-hmm. Guy's barely old enough to. I mean, <laughs> he he's like barely... just started legally drinking. Essentially, like... <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> but you can't. 
it just can't happen. And a lot of people, and we addressed this on the show yesterday a little as well, is it was the play of Darnold. And that was the fact that, you know, even though he came out and he threw that pick six, mm-hmm. and a lot of people praised him for the way he bounced back, and he does deserve that credit. But you look at it and you go, he only threw 19 passes. For a lot of the game, mm-hmm. they were ahead and the Jets were pounding the ball on the ground. He wasn't asked to make a whole lot of tough throws. And I think they adjusted that game plan after he threw that first pick six. Uh, was that he was throwing a lot of, you know, just out routes, mm-hmm. short like curls, stuff yeah. that's low risk as long as you make the proper mm-hmm. read on the coverage. You know, obviously if you throw the wrong time on a curl route, it's going to yeah. get picked or like on an out. <laughs> But the same at the same time, he only threw 19 passes. So, and he you know 13 and 19, not bad for your debut with two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. But of course, Lions and I brought this up yesterday <laughs> should have picked them off oh, at yeah. least one more time. Uh-huh. The touchdown the Jets scored at the end of the second half was <laughs> it should yeah. never have happened because uh, Tavon Wilson was in position to pick pick it off or at least knock it away, and he didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was a touchdown. Um. But and then of course he got helped out. Uh, Isaiah Crowell broke out like a 60, 70 yard run, yeah. scored a touchdown. His defense scored a touchdown. Special teams scored a touchdown. Wasn't he it? took o- he took over in Lions territory? Yeah. I think three or uh-huh. four times. There's like a stat I forget what year it was, but that was the first time the Jets defense scored a touchdown since like two thousand. Three or something. I think that was the correct stat, like, and that was the, like the wild. longest streak in the history yeah. of the NFL. I heard that, and my jaw dropped. I was like, "That was 15 years ago mm-hmm. that the defense scored a touchdown." But then you look <laughs> at it and you go, "Well, if this was going to happen to anybody, of course it was going to be the, the Lions. Lions. <laughs> the Lions yeah. are cursed. I don't think any anybody who's been a fan of this team for a long time will will not argue that point. I I don't know how they do it." I don't know how they do it, especially I, people in the UP. I'm like, if you kind, you kind of have the choice to be a Lions fan or a Packers fan. Mm. What drew them into be a Lions to fan? be I'm a Lions sorry. fan? I, th- <laughs> I th- honestly, I think that's a great question for the Lions fans uh, up yeah. here in the UP that aren't from uh-huh. downstate. Of course, I, I was yeah. lucky. I was yeah. raised in a house with uh-huh. no Lions fans in it. My dad, of course, is a Vikings fan. And growing up, uh-huh. growing up in rural New York was, of course, a, okay. a Bills fan. You know, God, God oh, bless gosh. his soul Bills there. Bills mafia. <laughs> Bills mafia. But it's it's tough. I just I don't know why. I, so of course, being from where I'm from, I get a lot of crooked looks oh, for being yeah. a Packers fan. But up here, why would you, after just years of incompetence and ineptitude exactly. as a franchise, why stay a fan of this franchise? Mm-hmm. When you can jump ship, if you will, not even really bandwagoning, I would uh-huh. say, and no one's going to look at you funny for doing so. It is tough, though, because, I mean, they are obviously division divisional opponents. So it's like, in a way, I feel like it would be jumping on the bandwagon if you were a Lions fan and jumped on the Packers. But I just don't understand, like, honestly, poor Lions fans. I don't know how else to put it. Like, mm-hmm. I thought Philadelphia sports were bad and then I came here. And then here, you moved here like, and you wow, realized, Detroit oh. times worse. I actually genuinely feel bad mm-hmm. for all Detroit sports fans. Mm. It <laughs> has not been a good time. We, You know, of course, the last title we won was 10 years ago when the Red Wings beat the mm-hmm. Penguins. Uh, then, of course, the next year, the Penguins came back and beat us yeah. and in that time span, <laughs> uh, the Pistons have done nothing but get worse. 
I feel like the Pistons are going to be on the come up, though. I feel like... I don't think so. I honestly think... I'm sorry. I know Stan Van Gundy wasn't a fan of tanking, but it works. Look mm-hmm. at the Sixers. Mm-hmm. Maybe I brought they, this maybe up yesterday. Maybe they should try Thank it. you. I brought this up yesterday. <laughs> and, Char- and Charlie Bremer was arguing the point, well, look at the Bucks. You know, the Bucks never had to tank. And they were in years of... They were year, after years of being mediocre. And I was like, yeah, but they got lucky. They uh-huh. got a Tenacumpo 15th. Yeah. yeah. So you can't realistically mm-hmm. expect... Tinakumpo is like a once in a generation, once in a lifetime type player. Yeah. You can't realistically expect that to happen. So I, I, I'd argue the Pistons aren't on the come up, and we can touch a little bit more on that later. <laughs> but the the issue is, and then of course the only other Detroit sports team that's come anywhere close to having success, the Tigers made the World Series twice in the past decade, uh, lost four games to one once, <laughs> and were swept. The other time, yeah. those both were <laughs> extremely painful Yikes. because even though I grew up not being a fan of Detroit football, everything else, uh-huh. Pistons, That's Red so Wings, <laughs> Tigers, it hurts. Yeah. It really, uh, I'm, I'm really sorry. hurts. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, too. <laughs> well, we can all uh, writhe in our sorrow. Coming up next on the Sports Pen, stay with us. We're talking more sports all day. Now back to the sports pen. Here's Blake Froling. Big Skin Payday's back. Take the winners of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize. Only at a Jibbo Casino, Barriga, and Marquette. Welcome back to the sports pen. Max Stevens in the studio for you alongside Rachel Zerby. Rachel, thanks again for coming mm-hmm. in today. Now, I wanted to bring this up since, you know, kind of a slow Wednesday in the yeah. UP. Uh, we'll talk hypotheticals here. And I brought this up briefly with Ryan Stieg on Monday. And I didn't get to flush it out as much as I'd really like to. I'd like to get your take on it. And I'd like to talk it out a little bit more. And that was over the weekend. It was a gr- great weekend for college football, except not if you're a Michigan State fan. I don't even want to talk about that anymore. Okay. I digress. Point is, in the... ESPN primetime game, Mm -hmm. Clemson at Texas A&M. It was a close game. For a while, it was looking like Clemson was going to run away with it. They didn't. A&M mounts a comeback in the second half, and they're down in the fourth quarter, 28-20. to They're threatening, and then with about two and a half minutes to go in the game, uh, they complete a pass over the middle. Courtney Davis, the receiver, he catches it, tries to make a play in space, breaks to the outside, dives for the end zone, and he gets hit. He loses the football, and it goes out of bounds. And the officials say it goes out of bounds through the end zone, which makes it a touchback and leaves it Clemson's football, two and a half minutes to go, up by eight. The issue I have with this, and the the question I want to ask is, even if it was the right call, which I don't think it was, and if you were watching the game, of course you heard Herb Street look at it and go, there's no way this isn't left of the pylon, which would have been out of bounds outside the end uh-huh. zone, and it would have stayed with AM. He's looking at it, and he keeps going, I don't think this is, there's no way this is out through the end zone. There, there's no way it is. And then the, the rules expert they had come on basically says, yeah, it looks to the left, but I don't think there's enough evidence to overturn the call since it was ruled a touchback on the field. So what I want to know is, 
even if, and what I'd like to debate is, even if it was the right call, which me too, I got to agree, I don't think it was. Having watched the game, mm-hmm. it absolutely looked like it was, it was out of bounds in play. You look at it and you go, okay, well, in this particular situation, even if it was the right call, I don't think it was, but even if it was a touchback, when a play is that close, if it's going to have that much of an impact on the way that the game unfolds, do you wish that the refs would just ignore the not enough evidence, ignore how close it was, ignore the call in the field, and just look at this and go, if we give the ball to Clemson right here, mm-hmm. right now, what are the chances that this call is what decides the game? And I think if there's any reasonable chance that the answer to that question is yes, this call will impact the outcome of the game, you can't, you got to do everything in your power to avoid making that call. You got to let the players uh-huh. fight it out on the field. Yeah. My thing is that I, it just seems to me there is never enough evidence to overturn a call, mm. especially in college football. But I mean, a situation like that, give the ball back to Texas A&M. You Please. have to. Please. The- like, you can't let, like, I'm sick of these replays basically like ruining the game we play we a lot of replays everything gets replayed now and uh, the the benefit of having instant replay has really changed the way games get Mm -hmm. officiated and i saw it multiple times over the weekend uh i didn't see it so much in the nfl but i saw Mm -hmm. it a lot in college where if anyone loses the ball in the backfield and the Mm -hmm. defense picks it up and they start running with it no one's going to blow it dead, even if it was so obviously uh-huh. a forward pass or if it was obviously an incompletion where the guy was clearly down, they're not going to blow the play dead because you look at it and you go, okay, well, the defense picked the ball up, ran with it and scored. Yeah. So now we have, to, we have to let them run because if they score or, or you know, if we rule it down and then we look at it and go, oh, you know what? The defense actually did recover the football. You can't give it to them and go, okay, and you can't just put six points on the board for them. Yeah. So you have to... And here I and you know here I come toting my oh my <laughs> officiating experience. I, you know I umpired baseball for a few seasons back home just as a summer job. They teach you you gotta stick with your guns. You gotta make a call uh-huh. and you gotta stick with it. And I think that is lost a little yeah. in terms of replay and especially in situations like this where it, the ball and going back to the original you know the A and M play the ball goes out you can't. In that situation, unless it was blatant, you just say it was out of bounds, give the ball back to A&M. Yeah. But did they look – did someone challenge the call? Or did It was looked at. I don't think it was ch- – I don't think it was challenged, but obviously in a play like that, they're going to look at yeah. it. One Which way or another, they like, would have looked at it. Come on. Like, I, don't, I just think that ruined – that it ruins sports. And it, it really it cer- kills the vibe. It certainly did because a lot of people say, well, it doesn't matter. A&M – got their touchdown anyway and they missed they failed the two-point conversion so what does it matter because they had their shot they choked no because if you watch the game you look at that situation right a&m has all the momentum they Mm -hmm. punch it in right there they still have more than two minutes on the clock and they still have their two timeouts which they used defensively when Clemson took over essentially on their own goal line within their own five, the difference was they didn't have any points on the board. Yeah. It was – so they lost like about a minute of time. Then they came down and scored in 20 seconds. They missed the two-point mm-hmm. conversion. Of course, didn't get the onside kick, and that basically put the game away because they burnt their two timeouts. Yeah. The difference is they score 
and they still have those two timeouts, even though their field position is worse coming back mm-hmm. if they stop Clemson. And of course, obviously, them scoring right there wouldn't have seriously, you know, yeah, it would have obviously changed the way the uh-huh. game played out. But and you could still argue Clemson probably still would have won. Uh-huh. But you gotta at the, in in a situation like that, you can't let a ruling by the official decide the game. I just like. I think that there's not enough evidence to overrule it is like a lazy excuse to like confirm the call. Like that, when a play is that close, there's never enough evidence to overturn it, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just like you have to, I don't know. I mean, I think replays just take long in general, mm-hmm. but if you're going to replay something like there needs to be evidence. Right. Like I, well, I don't know how to, I don't know how to, describe it i just think i it's think i'm getting call. what you're saying and i'm gonna do my best to kind of <laughs> word it here and and if, if this isn't what you're trying to say then stop me but what i think the point you're trying to make here is that the point of there's not enough evidence uh-huh. to overturn something doesn't make any sense because a lot of these calls are judgment calls mm-hmm. you know for like for example you look at in the like in the NBA, this uh-huh. happens a lot. We're coming down the wire. They're trying to see who touched the ball last, yeah. who did it go out of bounds off last. And you look at it and you go, "This guy might have touched it, but there's not enough evidence." Like, no, he either touched it or, or he didn't. Did <laughs> you look at it and you go, "Does it look like he touched yeah. it?" Yeah. Is it really really close? Uh-huh. Yeah. But you don't need evidence, all right. And, and you look mm-hmm. at it and you go, "Did this happen? Yes or no?" And if you can. Uh-huh. With, and if you can say without feeling like, eh, just yeah. just do it, just call it, because a lot of these calls are judgment calls anyway. And I think mm-hmm. that's what we forget here with the benefit of having yeah. footage is you look at it, you make a judgment, you call it. But you, you have replay to fall back on yeah. the pressure of like, I need to call this accurately. I need to really look at it kind of goes away yeah like i wish we just like went back to human error especially in those kinds of situations because then if we don't get that replay then everyone's not arguing like no one is in the wrong with that call like natural instinct okay i I don't that's just my opinion i honestly think replay ruins sports i think that i think that's going a little far i mean i certainly think instant replay has a place in sports i just think but like when they're replaying everything I mean, sometimes to the human eye, it's obvious that it was a catch or it wasn't a catch. But the whole, oh, there's not enough evidence, like, we're going to stick with our call is just ridiculous. Right. And, of course, we're talking about this. There's one other big topic that we wanted to bring up, a big hypothetical, and that is ties in pro sports. Now, we brought this up, I brought this up yesterday with, uh, with Thomas and Charlie. We, we talked about it briefly. We all agreed it's nonsense. But what we didn't do was go look at it and go, okay, but how do we fix it? How do we eliminate ties in pro sports? Because the only sport that this is a problem in is soccer, Uh even still, not really, because they have penalty kicks. And they do. And I don't know enough about soccer to really dive into that here. I I don't care much for soccer. But in football... Is the only sport where this is still an issue. You know, baseball, you keep playing until uh-huh. someone wins. Basketball, you keep playing until someone wins. Hockey, you go to a shootout. Soccer, you go to the penalty mm-hmm. kicks. Why on earth is it only in the NFL? And it's just the NFL, too. 
Why is it just that the NFL still allows for ties to be a thing that happens in their games? I have an, it's the most ridiculous thing ever. What, overtimes are five minutes? Well, no, in the NFL, it's a full extra oh, quarter. It is. It's oh. a full extra quarter. <laughs> Obviously, I In the NBA, the, the overtime okay. periods are five minutes. I thought, okay, never mind. Anyway, we'll just continue on. I don't understand why they just don't play until someone wins. I don't like. I don't get the issue. And a lot of people have issues with the way overtime is set up in the NFL in in general. Myself being one of those people. How where, it basically, sometimes it it comes down to the coin flip, uh-huh. where if you win the coin flip, you get the ball first, you strike first, game over. And a lot of people say, well, the counter argument to that to saying, just make the NFL overtime like college football overtime. The argument there is. Well, the NFL, these are professionals. There's realistically, if you start with the ball at about the 25, even if you do nothing on offense, mm-hmm. there's the, your kicker is not going to miss a, like a 30-yard chip shot. Now that they've moved back the extra point, it's basically like kicking a PAT. Yeah. Where like if you're like, all right, we're not going to get the first down. You just do a run to the left or right. You center the football kick the field goal, no team is ever going to lose that way either. So you look at it and you go, okay, well, if you ask me, having an overtime period where there's no extra points allowed and there's no field goals allowed, like you got to go for the touchdown mm-hmm. and you got to go for two-point conversions, is that, is that such a bad alternative? No, not – like I, why are – I just don't understand why there even are ties. Like that's, they have that's no just, place. Just, I, they have no. no place in sports. Like it's like a participation trophy for like both teams in a way. Like, come on, they're professionals. We're not here to tie a football game. Just, mm-hmm. It's just an easy like. Just keep playing. Like I right. don't understand well, why the, is this even like. I we mean, shouldn't even be debating about this. Like, uh, uh, yeah, the NFL just shouldn't the, have ties. Worst, I mean, worst like the absolute bare minimum they could do to fix this issue is just go, okay, if no one wins after the first overtime, there's a second overtime period. Yeah. That's all they need to do. Yeah. Like, even if they didn't change the overtime system, uh-huh. which they should because NFL overtime is nonsense, at least just go, okay, well, we're going to keep having these overtime periods until somebody wins. Mm-hmm. In which case, you know, if that would help alleviate the coin flip issue where if you can hold them off the first time, if they win the flip, they choose to get the football, you go, okay, you know, whoever gets the football first in the first overtime, you kick off in the second overtime. That can help yeah. fix that issue a uh-huh. little bit. I still think the way uh, high school and college do overtime is a superior way. I just don't think the argument of, well, NFL kickers are never going to miss a, a PAT field goal. You go, okay, then just don't let them kick PATs. Yeah. And you can do it like you do in college where it's like, okay, if you score a touchdown and you kick the extra point, you can do that. I think in college, it's after the second overtime, you, you have to go for two. In the NFL, just make it after the first yeah. overtime. If you go to two overtimes, no kicking PITs. You got to go for two. Like, this isn't rocket science. No, it's not hard. <laughs> Which is why, since this is so clear to so many people, and like so many people have gripes with the way that the NFL handles overtime and the way that NFL still has, still allows ties. Right, and the way that they handle just about everything yeah. for that matter with the whole, the whole anthem uh, policy yeah. debacle in the yeah. offseason and the vote that apparently wasn't actually a vote yeah. and you had owners come out and say, no, the NFL doesn't know what they're talking about. Oh. They didn't get the players' union involved. That was a whole mess. Yeah. We're not really going to dive into that, but... 
you go back and you look at this and you go, well, if so many people have issues with this, why does the NFL just refuse to do anything about it? It it just it doesn't make any sense at all. So if like, you do just they hate think to they're see like, it. oh, there's never really ties in the NFL. Like we don't have to deal with that rule right now. But it's like why? It's a professional league. I'm sorry. Like you either win or you lose. Like right. you don't tie. There's me. no it reason to have ties me. because and then it creates all sorts of issues. <laughs> coming mm-hmm. down like in terms of postseason seeding yeah. in terms of you know because i'm pretty sure the way it works i'm 90 percent, 99 percent confident like let's say we have a team 10 and 6 and then 10 5 1 the 10 5 and 1 team will get in uh-huh. but they didn't win they didn't earn that place really where you can't say well this team is definitively better just because they didn't lose as many mm-hmm. games well they didn't win more games exactly either. yeah that's where it gets tricky it just there's no place for <laughs> ties there's really no. not this overtime i'm so sick of seeing nfl overtimes and especially in the super bowl two years ago you know new england has all the momentum mm-hmm. they win the coin flip they drive down end the game before the falcons even get a chance to have the football uh-huh. and there's no Excuse, I, I, I still, and at this point, you could say my gripe is more just with the overtime system uh-huh. than the fact that there's ties, but both just disgust me to no end. It's really, yeah. just, it's, it's terrible. Ridiculous. It's it's awful. There's just no place for ties in any sport at any level, in my opinion. Like, <laughs> there's no. a winner, there's a loser. There's plain a winner, and simple. there's a loser. There has to be. <laughs> That's the beauty of sport. Yeah. There can only be one uh-huh. winner. All right. Well. Stay with us on the Sports Pen. When we come back, we'll wrap things up on a Wednesday. Now back to the Sports Pen. Here's Blake Froling. Pigskin Payday is back. Pick the winners of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize only at Ajibo Casino, Barriga, and Marquette. Always love hearing Tupac on the rejoin. Of course, we got <laughs> Max Stevens in studio for you alongside Rachel Zerby for today on the Sports Pen. Now, Rachel, you brought it up earlier. You said you like the Pistons. You think they're on an up and up and perhaps are in for a better year this year. And I didn't agree with you. <laughs> and we'll get into that in a minute. But you said um, volleyball, of course, oh, yeah. not one of our major sports uh-huh. in America, but still a fun one. And we had a big game okay. yesterday. Of course, the NMU-Michigan Tech rivalry. That game was yesterday here in the Vandemont, and you were at that game. So please, share with us what it was like being there. I've been here almost nine months, and there's nothing I love more than the NMU-Michigan Tech rivalry. Like, I'm all for rivalry games, and that one is just, like, awesome. And Mm -hmm. I haven't seen it really anywhere else, but that volleyball game, like, it was my first. Mm -hmm. Second one I've been to was electric. So much fun. Oh, yeah. Northern Michigan, they lost the first two sets. So game on the line in third set, they won, of mm. course. Forced the fourth set. They were down. Michigan Tech scored the six, first six points, so they were down 6 nothing, And then the Huskies jumped out to a 17-7 to lead. And I was like, all right, this is not looking good. Mm. But NMU went on an 11-0 run <laughs> to take mm. an 18-0. 17 lead and the gym was rocking i was like i don't even want to film this anymore like i just want to be in the stands cheering them out it was just so fun Mm -hmm. but then um nmu ended up losing the four set so 
they lost the match three to one, but just to see how the community, how the players, coaches all react, even in that Michigan Tech, Northern Michigan rivalry was, it's so fun to see. I love those games and like volleyball, Mm -hmm. those girls hit that ball. Like, Oh my God, I'd be scared. I almost got hit three times standing on the sidelines. And I was like, I probably would have got concussed, (laughs) but it was just, it was such a fun atmosphere atmosphere to be at. And there was some really good volleyball Mm -hmm. too. Oh yeah, so. it's the UP is Michigan yeah. State, Michigan. Uh huh. <laughs> Literally, yeah. Even though that's uh-huh. still kind of relevant yeah. up here because you know uh-huh. we generally have one side or the other, yeah. even even up here. And of course, Rachel and I, we're not even going to pretend we know enough about <laughs> no. volleyball to Absolutely really dive into that not. game no. and dissect it. Like, look, I love volleyball. I love uh-huh. playing it. Watching it is fun. I don't know enough about it to come on these airwaves and go, <laughs> look, okay, this what happened. This why that happened. I just, Uh, I'm not qualified to do that. So we're not going to uh, do it injustice by trying. Instead, we'll get into, uh, we just want, but we did want to mention it. Uh We did want to bring it up on the air. And of course, now we'll get into the topic I brought up at the start of the segment, which was, Rachel, you said you think the Pistons are on the up and up. And I don't agree with you on that. So we're going to debate it a little bit here for uh, coming down to the wire on the sports bench. So go ahead. You said they're on the up and up. Why do you think that? Well, I think, the new head coach and Dwayne Casey, I think he's going to make a difference. I think him having the time to work with Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin, like they get the start of the season. I think the Pistons, like I think they have some weapons to do damage. Like I, I think they'll make the playoffs, but I have, I, my hex, my expectations are high going in, but I, I feel like I probably will be let down, but I do think there's potential down there with the Pistons. It's just a matter of can they piece it all together. Mm, I don't think so. I think that – and where I disagree with you is that, you know, if if they are a playoff contender, it's for eight seed. Yeah, I mean, they'll be an eight seed. No, I, I don't, and I don't even see that happening, and I'll tell you why. Because the the trade we made for Blake Griffin has propelled us – into perpetual mediocrity is what I, I believe I said that yesterday as well. And the issue I had with it is Blake Griffin's contract is monstrous. And so, and to, and not to the same extent, so is Andre Drummond's. We have way too much money tied up in these two guys to, to be relevant. We know it, it's not a big man's league anymore. As great as Andre is and as great yeah. as Blake was and still is to some extent. He doesn't play the way he used to after all those injuries. He doesn't he's not as flashy a dunker and of course the league is evolving. Now, if you're a big guy, you still have to have some sort of perimeter mm-hmm. game unless you're DeMarcus Cousins and, yeah. and you're just so dominant on the inside that doesn't even it doesn't even matter yeah. how how well or poorly you shoot from the outside, but Blake doesn't shoot well enough from the outside to really be a threat out there. His mid-range has improved a lot. But the point is we just have so much money tied up in those two guys that you can't surround two of granted two of the two of the best big men in the league. Mm-hmm. You can't surround them with enough. We don't have enough and we can't surround them with enough money to really make it work. And I say that because our cap space is an issue. Yeah, Detroit yeah. is not a free agent destination. No. You're not going to lure like a Clay Thompson Absolutely or not. a Kyrie, a, a, a Kemba. 
can't lure any of those guys to Detroit by saying, Detroit's a great city. Come play here. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, all right, well, if Los Angeles or New York or San Antonio yeah. even is saying the same things, you're going to look at that and go, eh, and yeah. pick there. Uh, I also, I don't think, I think Dwayne Casey will be a difference maker because I absolutely think he's a better coach than SVG. But I don't think his impact is going to be that great because you look at this and you go, okay, well, even still, he never made it out of the East, Toronto. This is a coach year guy, of course, very capable. But he I'm not had to understanding go up against that. LeBron. Like, yeah, granted, LeBron has <laughs> left. Okay, but we just exchanged LeBron for Kawhi Leonard. Was the issue? There's still a dominant perennial player at the forward position in the Eastern Conference now. It's not mm-hmm. LeBron James, but the road is still going to go through. We're going to have to go through Boston, who has, you know, Gordon Hayward coming back. Jason Tatum had an incredible rookie year. Jalen Brown, Kyrie Irving's back. These, and then the Sixers. Yeah. With a solid supporting cast around a young duo of Embiid and Simmons. Markel Fultz is who knows what, but... <laughs> And the Raptors still have Kyle Lowry. They still have Kawhi Leonard. No DeRozan. Kind of hurts. But if you ask me who would you rather have, DeRozan or Leonard, I'll take Leonard oh, yeah. every day I of the week. No brainer. So, and of course, now we're getting ahead of ourselves talking about, well, who would we have to get by to, to come out of the East? We're not. The point is, is we've seen this before, is what I'm, is what I'm saying. So with the, cap, with, the, with the contract cap space the way it is, we can't bring in free agents. We traded away last year's draft pick, so we couldn't add any young talent this year. Next year, you know, different story. Um, and the, the problem is the Pistons are going to be too good to get a pick that's really important unless we get really lucky. So they should tank. But we're not going to be so good as to have any success this year, which is kind of where we're in that awkward spot. I think they will be a playoff team, though. I do think they will make the playoffs. Even still, we're going to be bottom feeders, and we'll get get swept by either Boston or Philadelphia or Toronto. Whoever we happen to get matched up against, they're they're going to kill us. But, I mean, that's a step in the right direction, I want to say, compared to It could be a step in the right direction. But I I just think a fresh face down there is going to benefit. I, I mean, Stan Van, he should have been gone a while ago, in my opinion. Right, and the fact that he was allowed to make the trade that he did, even though we fired him, kind of bothers me. But And what I meant when I said we've seen this before was the Clippers a few years back, yeah. right? Two dynamic, really good big men and one super point guard to go with them. Lob City, Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. Blake Griffin and the Clippers had a better supporting cast than we do not to mention the fact that they had Chris Paul and we have Reggie Jackson so you look at this and you go I've seen this before the Clippers never made it out of round two we're probably not even going to make it to round two and uh, which sucks because also we're not going to get a high enough draft pick to take like Mm -hmm. a like a Zion Williamson or or whoever or whoever the one and done is going to be this year you know so that's uh, those are my issues with the Pistons, and that's why I think they're not in. They're not on the up and up. Okay, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna say I just I think they, I think they will get there. Like I don't think they. I don't think bringing in Dwayne Casey like 
made them go on the down. So like, no, I certainly think... not. I mean, it was absolutely an upgrade at the yeah. coach position. I cannot dispute that. How I can dispute how effective I think it's going to be, though. I don't think he's going to have the same success in Toronto that he had here. N- but not right of course, off the bat, watch. But... You know, now that I've come out and said this, and so boldly and assure, sure of myself have come out and said, no, the Pistons aren't on the up and up. Now they're going to come out and they're going to be yeah. like a four or something. And no, I won't I'm give them. Gonna, I'll go I'm seven at the highest. Seven at the highest and I'm, I'm going to go eight. I'm, come on. Yeah. The, the rest of the East though yeah, the rest is of like the pretty East weak. Is kinda cr- it is kind of crap. But you know what? Yeah. Way too early prediction. Oh, there yeah. you go. <laughs> Seven at the highest. And that's how we'll wrap things up on the sports pen today. Thank you so much for tuning Here. in on a Wednesday. Stay classy, Marquette. <laughs>